0: James Chapter two James Chapter two I'm going to read the verse first thirteen verses James Chapter two My brethren Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Set thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whoso shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. The title of the message tonight, A Stewardship of Love. A Stewardship of Love. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. And we pray, Father, if you look into the word of God tonight, that we allow the spirit of God to teach us to instruct us, to convict us. And might we accept that instruction, that correction, that conviction with humility of heart and mind, accepting the truth, understanding that the truth is no respecter of persons and that you are no respecter of persons, that one day we'll have to stand before you as our almighty judge and be judged according your law. So help us, Father, in our walk with you to allow the Spirit of God to teach us and instruct us and maybe yield to him that we might be obedient to your law and demonstrate that in our love for others. And we'll careful to thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know as we've been going through of course first Corinthians and you know in chapter thirteen and fourteen, and then even through the book of James here it it has occurred to me I, like it has never occurred before the importance of love the how much the Bible majors on the love of God, and of course that love is to, is really demonstrated now you know it was demonstrated. At on Calvary and love is a demonstration. It's not just words. But it's also demonstrated by us to one another and the world. That's how God demonstrates his love today. And uh but so we see here from chapter in chapter two that is even that is even spoken of and 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 it is a, a uh prominent theme here in the book of James as well. But as we consider this tonight, I want, as we consider this a stewardship of love, a, a steward is a manager. Uh, it could be a house, a manager of a house, or a business. He's not an owner. He's a manager. Uh, he wouldn't be considered the Lord. You know, as you think about that, it, you know, the Bible describes that for us in Luke chapter 16, in verses 1 and 2, Luke sixteen one and 2, where it says, he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he'd wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. So, you know, again, he's not the owner. You know The rich man had hired this man to be his steward. So he's he's hired him to be his manager. And, and it doesn't say whether it was just a... Uh, a bit uh, a household or a rich household of course you know if you 're going to have a rich household he has i 'm sure he has some kind of business but but you know he was he was the manager of his house or of his business um, he was actually the guy that that he gave the owner would give responsibility to him to see that everything was taken care of and and of course the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that we have been given a stewardship. In 1 Corinthians 4, in verses 1 and 2, it says, "Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God." Of course, the mysteries of God refers to the gospel that Paul preached and, and wrote and has given us in the scriptures concerning. "...moreover, it is required in the stewards that a man be found faithful." And again, if you compare that with 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20, it says, "What Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. You know, it is not our gospel. And we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are, which are God's. So God here is the owner of us, and we are His stewards we are managers if you will of the gospel that's what's been committed to us and so so we are to be stewards of the love of god now if we notice first of all here tonight the measure of our stewardship in verses 1 through 8 and i got two subpoints here it is it is to be Christ-like. If you notice in verse 1, my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. You now, he says, he, what he, so he's writing, of course, he was writing to Jews that were scattered abroad, and so he's, he's telling them, when he says, my brethren, you ha- have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons, and it tells us that they are respecting persons, what he's saying is You're not, your faith is not like his. In other words, your faithfulness, your fidelity to the command of God is not Christ-like. It's not Christ-like. You see, our stewardship is to be Christ-like. And there's an interesting phrase here that is found, I don't think, anywhere else in the Bible. He calls him the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Now this was the This was the first book really written, even before the Gospels were written, that's believed, uh, as early as 44 A.D. possibly. And and so he's writing, these are to Jewish believers, and he he says, your your stewardship is not Christ-like, it's not faithful to the commands of God, And 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 he gives this, Description of Christ is not seen anywhere else. He said the Lord of glory. Or the, the term means the full manifestation of God's divine presence and majesty is in Him. The Jews called this manifestation the Shekinah. Remember in the, uh, when, the, when, when Moses built the ta- had the tabernacle built and they set up the ark in the holy place the most holy place. And they drew out the staves. And when they drew out the staves and backed out of that holy place, the Bible says the the cloud covered it. That's the Shekinah glory cloud. And the Jews called that Shekinah. which The word Shekinah does mean the presence of God on earth. It was the presence of God on earth. And so James is telling us, look, Jesus was the presence of God on earth. That's what He is. And His life, you know, our Lord's life was exemplified by His submission and obedience to the will of the Father. You know, He was given a stewardship, you will, if you will, of giving His life for our sin. And He did that in submission to the Father. In complete submission to the Father. You know, He did not see His own life as His own, but the Father's. And you know what 1 Corinthians is telling us, that our life's not our own. We've been bought with a price. That's why Paul always said, I, the prisoner of the Lord, or I, the servant of the Lord. And what he means there is, I'm a slave to God. No, that's not a correct way of saying it. He said, I'm a slave for God. He's not a slave to God. In other words, he wasn't forced into this slavery he volunteered. It was a voluntary slavery, if you will. He willingly served the Lord. And again, it wasn't out of fear. You know, Most, most ser- uh, slaves, sl- slaves always served out of fear. Most of them. There were, there, were, there were some masters that were good to their slaves and so on. But, but a lot of them served out of fear. This is not a service out of fear. It's out of love. It's, it was a, he was a slave for the Lord. And that's what—that's the example we see of Christ. In John 5.30 he said, I came of mine own I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will but the will of the Father which has sent me. You know, so we have all been given a stewardship. We've been given a life to manage for the Lord. Now, now you think about that. Now think it through. Whether you work at a daycare or Chick-fil-A or UPS or the city of Raleigh or whether you're a housewife, a mother, a father, a husband. It's all stewardship for the Lord. It's all to be done in pleasing in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And, 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 then, and then we've been given also, and, and all, those, all those things give us opportunities in every, everyday life of the stewardship of the gospel. You know, so, we, so we, not only are we stewards in these things, but we are stewards of the gospel. I've been given a stewardship as a pastor. And we as a church have a stewardship to get the gospel into this, this area and around the world. That's, our, that's the command that God has given us. And so, so in everyday life, we have these, uh, uh, these stewardships and provide these opportunities of you know, And if we are unjust in these other areas, it affects or damages our witnessing or our stewardship of the gospel. See, so you, you can't be unfaithful in, in the stewardships of life, and then all of a sudden you're faithful in the stewardships of the gospel. It doesn't work that way. Because God's not honored. God can't honor that. And, and the, the talent, challenge that James is giving here is, look, you aren't faithful in your stewardship of the gospel if you're showing respect to persons. If you're being partial in your judgment. As they were. If you notice in verses, verses uh, uh, um, 2 through 7, he says, For therefore come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. Say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and do I become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my brethren, beloved brethren... Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have oppressed, ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? You understand, the Bible talks about poor. Uh, we, We really don't have an understanding of what that's like in our society Uh, because we have welfare. But back then, they didn't have welfare. And if you got sick and couldn't work, there were no government programs to take care of you. I don't know what it was that Lazarus had that laid the rich man's gate. I don't know why he was in that condition. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible does tell us, when he died, he was taken to Abraham's bosom. And we know that Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and, and many times, riches, and we, we see it illustrated throughout the Bible, that oftentimes, riches turn people's hearts away from the Lord. Hezekiah. Even Hezekiah. And he said, so, so he's commanding these people, look, you're not to be partial we're not to show partial judgment or favoritism to the rich over the poor. We're not to show partiality in any relationships. Truth is truth. In fact, our stewardship the measure, is measured by the law of God. Look at verse 8 through 12. If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whoso shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point is guilty of all? For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And so the measure of our stewardship is the law of God. Or we might say the law of Christ. But contrary to what a lot of people think, they are the same. They are the same. In fact, Jesus strengthened the law of God. The Old Testament law. And when we say the law of God referring to the Old Testament law. He strengthened it. You know, there, you know, there are boundaries. You know, the boundaries of our liberties are established by law. You know, maybe, many people don't understand this. When, he, when he's talking about the royal law, he's talking about the principle or chief or a law that's worthy of the king. And that, of course, that is God's law. You know, with, without boundaries or laws, what you have is anarchy and chaos. Just read the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Look at some of the countries around the world. Look at the Venezuela right now. You know, it's chaos. The only reason there isn't chaos in our country, more than there is, is we still have laws that limit or keep that chaos in check. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's some that think oh, we just, we just need to, we just need to, get, you know, just get rid of all the laws. We need to have freedom, but without the law, without laws, there will be no liberty. Let me, let me try and explain this to you. Uh, liberty means freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires. That's, the, that's what the Bible defines it as. So that we do, by the free impulse of the soul, what the will of God requires. So, so liberty is freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires. And, and of course, that is the Christian religion that furnishes that rule of right living by which the liberty just mentioned is attained. Of course, we attain that liberty in Christ... Uh, through the word of God, by the love of God, and of course it comes by knowledge and understanding, for to know God is to love him. I mean, if you really know God, you'll love him. You know, Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the powers of the resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. Uh, it, it, when Webster's described liberty as this, in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, civil, civil liberty is an exemption from the arbitrary will of others, which exemption is secured by established law, which restrain every man from injuring or controlling another. Hence, the restraints of law are essential to civil liberty. See, what law does, it restrains you from taking my possessions. And it restrains me from taking yours. I mean, some of you are weaker than me. So if I so desired, I could just take what's yours? You know what keeps me from it? Law. Law. The law of God. Do you know what keeps unsaved men from it? Law. The law of the land based on the law of God. And so if, if there wasn't a law, you would have no freedom. You'd live in constant fear. That somebody else is going to take what's yours. They can rob your possessions. They can steal your life from you. And I'm not talking about killing you. I'm just talking about making you a slave. To their wants and their wishes. You know, Joseph's brother stole 13 years of his life by selling him into slavery. You see, they had power over him, and they didn't restrain their power. And, and they were, they, 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 because of their jealousy and their hatred and, and their anger against him they, sold him, they stole 13 years of his life. Why? Because of no law that restrained them. Or, there, of course, there was law, but they didn't obey it. They had the law of God. You know, some bosses think they can treat employees any way they want. Can they? Not legally. And you could go husbands, wives, fathers to children. But, you know, there are laws in our land, and there are laws in the Word of God, that are for the purpose of restraining sex actions that take advantage of others that are weaker than us. You know, abortion, what is abortion? We are stealing the lives of the unborn. We are violating another human being's right to life, liberty, and property. Everything this nation was founded upon. And now, since since abortion's okay, we're starting to do it with the elderly. And, if, and, and, and if, they, if they continue on in this, this charade, this game they're playing, if you become incapacitated and are not, or not a, 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 uh, a help to society, guess who they're coming after then? You. That's the mindset of the liberal world. If you don't contribute to society, we just get rid of you. We see we have laws that protect those that are weaker, and 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 so we have this liberty in law. You know, even a, even a, um, the song uh, "Oh, Beautiful for Spacious Skies." It's uh, seven eighty if you want to look it up. But anyway, there's a phrase in there in the uh, second verse at the end of the second stanza. That says, confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Do you know if there were no laws concerning driving, you wouldn't want to drive. If there were no lights and there were no set rules concerning the lights, that's when it's red you're supposed to stop. You'd be afraid to go through a light. Because if nobody obeyed the lights, there'd be a lot of chaos. See, we can have order and peace and harmony. Why? Because of law. And we are free to drive on the highway, and we don't have to worry about somebody coming through the red light. At least we shouldn't. Because there are laws. Laws. And so we are at liberty to go through that green light and the yellow one. Uh, You know, (laughs) you're you're pressing your liberty then. You're pressing your liberty then. But, but, you know, that's the one that says caution. You may want to stop. We See, see, law gives us liberty. It gives us the liberty. And so this stewardship is measured by the law. It directs our stewardship. It directs our stewardship. Uh, and again, if we mistreat others, you know, we are robbing them of their God-given liberties. And so he says here, if you fulfill the royal law, verse 8, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you respect, have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressor. So our stewardship is going to be measured by the law of God. And, of course, this law is given to us, you know, the Lord Jesus, during his earthly ministry, expanded upon the law of God in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 20 through 27, or 37. And I won't read all this for sake of time, but in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, he says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall no case enter into the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. You know, and and so they were, they prided themselves in keeping the law. You know, they didn't, they weren't murderers. Um, but they were angry, look at look what he says ye have heard that it was said of, by them of old time thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raca shall be in danger of the council, whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And if you drop down to verse 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman, that looks after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable with thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast, into hell. So he says, you know, not only should he not commit adultery, he shouldn't lust after people or after a woman. And then if, you, if we drop down to verse 33, uh, he talks about the, the, the uh, not taking the name of the Lord God in vain, is what the Old Testament says. But here he says, it can't, again, ye have heard it that has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is is this footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In the, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the, uh, when the uh, red, red runs, Red Runs, Red Runs the River. Red Runs the River was the uh, movie about, that Bob Jones University put out about uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson and you know, the Civil War and so on. But anyway, there was a, there was a mil- military general in the South in the Civil War that was known for his cursing. He worked under General Jackson. And Jackson said, A man that has to swear just has poor use of language. No, the Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. If you have to curse, it shows you have a lack of self-control. And it's offense against God. So, you know, the Lord strengthened. This is the measure by which our stewardship is going to measure. The law of God. The law of Christ. And of course, Romans tells us that you know to fulfill the law you know it, it, or love is fulfilling of the law romans ten thirteen and I use this verse often because I think it's very fitting uh it's very significant uh now romans thirteen ten I'm sorry, where it says uh for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet it. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, that, in other words, what, what he's saying is, loving your neighbor as yourself covers all this law. Because if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to take his wife. You're not going to covet what he has. You're not going to kill him. You're going to sell him into slavery. Rob him of his life. You're going to do good to him. And what is right in the sight of God to him. You know, Jesus summed it up in this way. Whatsoever you would have men do unto you, do you also unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. And basically what he's saying is, he's summing up the law there, you should treat other people like you want to be treated. That is the law, the summation of the law. One commentator said this, quote, To show partiality shows that we care more for outward appearance than we do upon the heart. The Lord does not see as man sees. He looks, man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so should we, And so, we see the measure of our stewardship, and then we also see that we will reap the consequences of our stewardship. If you drop down to verse um, 12 and 13, Speak ye, so speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against the truth. So we are going to reap the consequences of our stewardship. You know, the word mercy means... Kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted, joined with a desire to help. So mercy is really the kindness of God. You know, it's the kindness of God toward us and what we don't deserve. It's the kindness toward us and, and, and who are afflicted in sin and the, in the wickedness. That's, that was his kindness toward us. And, and so we should be merciful to people, show kindness and the goodwill uh, towards them with a desire to help them. And the phrase there, rejoiceth against, means that mercy boasts boasts itself superior to judgment. Now, of course, judgment is an opinion or decision given concerning anything concerning justice or injustice, right or wrong. So it can be condemnation and punishment of God, or it can be commendation of God depending on what we do right or wrong. And of course we know that Romans 8:1 1, 1 tells us that uh, therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So when it says that mercy rejoiceth against judgment mercy is not afraid of judgment. In fact, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it is joy to the just to do judgment. Joy. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And so, a person of mercy is not afraid, you know, walking with the Lord, he's not afraid of the judgment of God. He's not afraid of that. But, you notice he says, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. Showed no mercy. So the person that does not show mercy will not receive mercy from the Lord. And mercy... We receive the mercy of God when we accept the truth and live the truth. Mercy and truth are often spoken of together. In Psalm 25:10, it says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Psalm 85:10 says, Mercy and truth are met together. There was, a, there was a song, I don't know, somebody sang it here recently. We, I think it was Andrew and Nathan. Went, we shall find mercy when the truth we can't deny. In other words, When we accept the truth, we can't deny the truth and we accept it, we will receive the mercy of God. And, and it's true too also that when we are merciful or kind to other people we reap that. But the opposite is also true. You see there's an eternal law taught in the Bible and we saw an example, a prime example of it in Sunday school class this morning with Abimelech. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Now, the Bible says here God's not mocked. Yeah, we can fool people, but we can't fool God. He knows the thoughts of our heart. And he will not be mocked. He knows. He knows our intentions. He knows our attitudes. He knows our motives. And he says here that he will not be mocked. And whatever we sow, whether it's in our thoughts, our intentions, or our motives, God knows about it and we will reap the consequences of those that are put into action. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. If we have show no mercy, we will receive no mercy. But if we show mercy, we can rejoice against judgment. We don't have to worry about the judgment. Because we will reap life everlasting. And he says there, as we have therefore opportunity. You see, this life is our opportunity to sow to the Spirit. And if you, if you live without, taking advantage of those opportunities or live half your life you're losing your opportunities to reap life everlasting I mean you can live for yourself if you want to but you're losing your opportunities to Know the blessings that go with mercy. Obedience. Doing good unto all men. Especially the household of faith. As long as you live in the flesh, you will run out of opportunity to reap good fruit. And again, if we, if we, if we sow mercy, kindness, goodwill... We will receive mercy from God and others. Without mercy. There will be no mercy. You see. We will reap the consequences. Of our stewardship. And God knows. God knows our hearts. He knows the intents of our hearts. And there is no respect of persons with him. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Whether you give lots of money or little. God's no respecter of persons. The truth does not change because of who you are. But because of what you are. So How is your stewardship? How does it measure up? God's desire is that it be a stewardship of love, a stewardship of mercy, helping, encouraging, building up others. So, how is your stewardship? Let's pray.